This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. So, gentlemen, this is not your typical Tuesday. No, this is the final Tuesday On Wednesday, March 15th, the new league year officially begins, though based on the activity that began 24 hours ago, perhaps the new league year is already reportedly underway. We're going to use that word, Paul, a lot. According to reports, reportedly expected to because nothing can become official unless you're resigning your own unrestricted free agents until... Wednesday afternoon. So you're saying it's New Year's Eve? Yes, I have no plans to yeah. either of you. Uh, you know, I got to make some. I got to go. You know, got to. I got to scramble here at the last minute. New Year's Eve. You know, ringing in midnight tonight. The new league year. You know, a couple of beverages, maybe something to celebrate. We'll see. This is one of two times per year. Also, Craig, I might point out where the Cardinals hand out those big red roses, right? As we like to say. Okay, you know, bachelor style, you hand out the red roses. There's only two times. One at the end of training camp, the final 53, and here we are in free agency. All right. Well, if we're going to go off of that analogy, then the first official rose that was handed out by the Arizona Cardinals, Kyle, went to your guy. Wide receiver Greg Dorch, who signed his one-year tender, he Greg is Dorch in the fold. Well, at the very least, you know they talk about character guys, guys that are going to bring it every day, guys that um, want to go out there and love to compete. And just from my vantage point, that's Greg Dorch in a nutshell. He's a guy that's going to push other guys on the roster. It's going to fight for a roster spot. That's going to, uh, you know, anytime. He's, he's a part of the game plan anytime he was on the field, whether it be at wide receiver, whether it be on special teams. Um, he's just a guy that wants to go out there and help the team, a true team guy. And it's good to see him. Um, you know, look, it, he's not a splashy name. He's not a name outside of uh, this market that a lot of people have heard of. But he is a guy that fans uh, appreciate, that, that they recognize what he brings and, and what he has done, and, and he's doing it the right way. You know, you hope that he had two breakout games last year. You hope that he can piece it together and have a breakout season for the Arizona Cardinals next year. Only missed one game. That was Week 12 because of a thumb injury. 52 catches on 64 targets, and he did not record a single drop according to profootballreference.com. So Greg Dorch is back, and let's use that word reportedly. Kelvin Beecham, the Cardinals' starting right tackle, is also back, according to reports, Paul, two years, just over $5 million, three and a third of that guaranteed, but good to see Beach. And I'll steal your phrase late in the season, Beach and the boys. We know Kelvin Beecham will be back. Or beach and the backups, you know, either one. It was that's what it came down to because we don't have to say reportedly when we mention how he was the only offensive lineman, the only offensive player, period, to start all 17 games. 
you're not going to find a guy in that locker room who commands more respect on and off the field than Kelvin Beecham. You even saw him get a little a little heated, you know, at the end of the season there, right? He either he get a little uh, feisty uh, there at the end. So look, he brings a lot of everything, and whether you needed him to play left tackle, which he did in a pinch for a little bit last year, whether he's going to be your starting right tackle this year. No idea what other plans they have in the draft, free agency, Josh Jones. Either way, this is a guy who's just so superior in the locker room and, and, and you know what, is not going to get you beat out on the field. And so Kelvin Beecham, yeah, that was a double ding in my book to bring him back for so many different ways as you're trying to reset the culture of this team. He is part of the solution, not part of the problem. And you always hear, Kyle, your best ability is availability. And for Beecham, the last three seasons wearing that Arizona Cardinals uniform, he has started 48 of 50 games. You can count on Beecham to be on that football field on Sunday. And his availability is not um, just because of good fortune, not because he was lucky to not get injured. He played through pain last year. I think he had a uh, popcorn-related heart attack or something during the season that we saw in Hard Knocks. He had an ankle sprain, was playing on on one leg really the last couple of games and willed himself to be out there when you know, you're when you're a part of a rebuild, when you're looking toward next season, when you're looking to build a franchise, you're looking for players that are looking for a way into the fight. The situation the Cardinals were in at the end of last season, there were players looking for a way out of the fight. They were the season was over, there was nothing left to play for. Guys are looking at building their value, their next contract, trying to stay healthy. That wasn't Kelvin Beecham. Kelvin Beecham was going out there, look, he probably didn't grade out very well those last couple of games because he really was playing on one leg, but he willed himself to be out there because it's what the team needed, and he didn't want to let his team down, and he wanted to be there. And That's the type of leadership that Jonathan Gannon and Monty Ossenport are looking for on this team. As good as it is to have Beecham back in that locker room, there is a major piece that will not be back. Again, according to reports, and this one hurt when I saw Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport report it late on Monday afternoon. Defensive lineman Zach Allen going to the Denver Broncos, reuniting with his D.C. here in Arizona. Vance Joseph, now the defensive coordinator with the Broncos, but Allen is gone. Paul, according to reports, three years, 47.75 or 45.75 million with upwards of 32 guaranteed when he puts pen to paper officially. He was your best player on defense, I thought, last year. Snap in and snap out. I mean, J.J. Watt had a glorious finish to the season. There's no doubt about it. He had the numbers. But if you remember the first half of last year, how close Zach Allen was to another half dozen sacks. He was so disruptive. He was such a problem. There was a next-gen stat they just put out that when it comes to run stuff rate last year, he was number two in the NFL to Aaron Donald. That's when you make a tackle for loss or no gain. And he had tackled opposing Paul Carries. I have it right here. For a loss or no gain on 5.5% of his run defense snaps last year, trailing only Aaron Donald barely, who was at 5.8%. Wow. He was really good. He was, re- and, and you hoped that he would have been part of the future. But this was the fear. When he gets to the open market, somebody's going to come with the big money. The Christian Kirk money, the Calais Campbell money years ago, this is the risk of allowing a player to get to the open market. So I think you could really contend that, in hindsight, was Zach Allen a deal that should have been done by Halloween of last year? And is it one of the reasons the Cardinals made a change at GM? Quite honestly, if we're in the trust tree, 
that's something that, in hindsight, I have no idea what the negotiations were behind the scenes, but I'm guessing that the new GM would have loved to have been the GM last season to perhaps be a little um, anticipated that and be a little preemptive in getting that deal done. Much more on Zach Allen and his loss as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. But when you talk about defensive line, now the good news is is Zach is not going to be within the division, not even within the conference. However, Kyle, the big news, at least with respect to the division, that really raised my eyebrows was what the 49ers did, and that is give big money to defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, a reported four years, $84 million, with $40 million guaranteed at signing. 11 sacks last season, one of the many free agents that the Philadelphia Eagles had, one of the many names that people were hoping perhaps the Arizona Cardinals would take a run at. But now you're going to face him twice a year along with Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead on that D-line. Yeah, it's concerning for a number number of reasons. Look, we just have got to find quality bodies here in free agency. We have to plug a couple of holes. We have to check a couple of boxes, particularly on the defensive front. Could be four new starters across the defensive front or three or whatever front we have next year. Um, and, I mean, I'm just looking at a list right now of, of D-tackles that are left, and it, all of them are either on the back half of their 20s or early 30s. Um, good players in there, uh, but they're, they're, they're stopgap guys. So um, they, it's something I, I hope that they address soon, at least – at least check one of the boxes, get a starter. Look, where Jonathan Gannon came from, we all know how disruptive Philly's front was, but part of the reason they were so disruptive was their depth. They had quality players going two, sometimes three deep at each position, and we're sitting here with very little to no depth. I mean, we've got good players. We've got good young and up-and-coming players that we hope will get close to reaching their ceiling this coming season or the season after, but what we need is some quality depth, and, and we need to start finding it now. And then on the other side of that coin, um, you're talking about San Fran and, and how they just keep adding. It's what they do every year. They either draft somebody on the defensive line in the first or second round, or they bring in a big-name free agent, and it's, it's how they're built. So we've got to very soon, very quickly in this offseason – shore up the inside of our offensive line from center to both guards and find some people that can block some of these disruptors that, that some of the other teams in our division have. Hargrave grows from Philadelphia to San Francisco. The Seahawks dipping their toe into that defensive line market. Draymond Jones, the former Denver Bronco, three years, $51 million. That coming down earlier on Tuesday. Any other news within the division or just overall, Paul, as far as Seeing Patrick Peterson now going to be wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. We did get solution. Jimmy Garoppolo is out of the division and going to be a Las Vegas Raider. A lot of movement around the league, but everyone's focused on what the Cardinals are doing and so far not doing. Cardinals are going to play against Patrick Peterson for the third straight year. That's the way that that works out. As for the 49ers, to Kyle's point, uh, think of everything they've invested over the last decade in that defensive front whether it's DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead. Even Javon Kinlaw was a first-round pick 2020. He's been a bust, which I think is one of the reasons they went after Javon Hargrave. But John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they emphasize the defensive line. There's, there's no question about that. And so, look, the loss of Zach Allen, the need along the offensive line, Cardinals have to build from the inside out. And if you tell me the Cardinals trade out of number three, because they get an extra first-round pick or two, or maybe a high second-round pick or two, I think this would be a driving reason. 
you need quantity as much as you need quality. And so we'll see what happens between now and draft day. But if the Cardinals do pull the trigger and trade out a number three, because you know our marketing mantra, AZ needs three, three quarterbacks, viable quarterbacks at the top of the draft. There's most definitely two. If a team feels like there's three and they make the Cardinals an offer they can't refuse, well, that's the benefit is they have those extra picks, I think, to rebuild in the trenches. Well, one of those names that we had talked about on previous shows was offensive line, Kyle, and looking at the center position and connecting the dots and connecting Drew Petzing with Ethan Posick. But Ethan is staying with the Cleveland Browns, doesn't get to the new league year, but there's also a loss in San Francisco. They're losing Mike McGlinchey. Their, star, their starting right tackle, he is going with Zach Allen to the Denver Broncos. So some movement along the trenches, I think, more so than wide receiver. Jacoby Myers was the first wide receiver off the board, and that happened earlier on Tuesday. But you're looking at teams shoring up the offensive line and defensive line first and foremost. Yeah, and it's it's exactly what uh, Monty Osfort, Jonathan Gannon, what they said they want to do, build this team from inside out. Well, you know, they've got some work to do. Well, we've got to get some bodies and we've got to get some talent. Um, just looking at the other notable stuff that pertains to the Cardinals to a degree, well, in two ways. Uh, you know, look, Jalen Ramsey's leaving, and thank goodness, uh, look, the Rams are done. They, they, they're just getting rid of all of their va- valuable assets. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford is um, rumored to be on the trade block if, if anybody's interested. So Bobby the, Wagner the, ex- might end up back in Seattle. The, uh, you know, the Rams that won the Super Bowl, the, this team will not resemble that team in any sort of way. So that's good. But interestingly, I mean, you're looking at a player that's still playing at an elite level at uh, one of the most coveted positions in, in the sport of football. And... Uh, they only got a third-round pick for Jalen Ramsey. So here we sit, and everybody's wondering what's going to happen with DeAndre Hopkins, and I know we're going to address that later. Um, but it makes you wonder what the value is. And it's so funny how year-to-year, um, you know, it, some teams will give up multiple first-round draft picks for a player that's a premier player in his positions, and then the next year it's like there's no interest, and, and a really good player will go for a sixth- or seventh-round draft pick. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and, and whether – um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins will be back with the Cardinals, what they could get for him in a trade. Um, you know, all of those answers are going to come here in a very short time. There's been more movement, Paul, as far as backup quarterback is concerned. We've mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo going to the Raiders, where the 49ers picked up Sam Darnold, who had been with the Panthers, but Taylor Heineke on the move, Jared Stidham, Mike White, Case Keenum, Nick Mullins is re-signing with the Vikings, but I just rattled off six names right there as far as teams looking at a number two quarterback. And Jacoby Brissett does not have a deal done yet. So where does that leave the Cardinals? Because you got to figure between Kyla Murray and whatever is ailing Colt McCoy, and it's definitely going to curtail his offseason in the OTAs. Cardinals definitely, you would think, are in the market for a veteran quarterback. So what about it? What about the guy that Drew Petsy knows really well? Maybe he won't get that starting type gig somewhere like we speculated last week with Drew Stanton. Maybe he's just waiting as we all are for Aaron Rodgers to make a decision. The biggest domino to fall here in free agency. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Darkness. Snap to Stafford. They get the playoff. Straight drop back. Has time. Pumps. Now it's hit. And sacked by Allen. Back at the 29-yard line. And the Cardinals force a punt. It's a screen. And it's picked off. Allen. 
Allen on the far side's got it at the 30, at the 20, at the 15, and tackled by Dalton at the 11-yard line. And the ball comes out, and it's scooped up by Zach Allen at the 5 and into the end zone for the touchdown. Mayfield in trouble, steps up, hit, and sacked by Zach Allen back at the 20-yard line. Mayfield three-step drop, has time, throws right side, bat it down, incomplete. Zach Allen... Boy, what a game he's had. Mayfield's going to throw Bennett in the air again, this time by Allen, and it's incomplete. Zach Allen got a hand up. The ball hits the ground incomplete. Cardinals take over on downs. This one is going to hurt. Unless we find out what the Cardinals' plan is moving forward. But in the moment, gentlemen, losing Zach Allen, the question was, can he stay healthy? And I think the past two seasons, yeah, he's been... Missing some games, but by and large, he has been a mainstay the last two seasons. And this past season overall, a career high, 10 tackles for loss. Plus, he set career highs in sacks, quarterback hits, passes defense, the latter of which he had eights, which finished tied among defensive linemen. And no longer, because as we talked about, according to reports, Zach Allen on his way to the Denver Broncos, three years, $45 million and change, 32 and a half guaranteed a huge hole now paul on that d-line and we all started to get cold feet maybe beginning of this week nfl.com put out their list of the top free agents available three of the top four were eagles players and then zach allen was number eight overall you're like wow okay but you read off the numbers and then we watched every snap of every game and i think we all agree he was disruptive he was a problem If he wasn't in the backfield, if he wasn't making a tackle and stuffing a running back, he was knocking down a pass, he was getting in the face of a quarterback, it was a big deal. I know Marcus Spears, I saw him on ESPN doing his preview of the top four defensive linemen available. He had Javon Hargrave in there, and he got around to Zach Allen. And I'm quoting loosely, Marcus Spears and ESPN said, I know everybody's not paying attention to Zach Allen because he's not one of those household names, but once he gets that bag... He will be a household name. And he went on to conclude and say, I think this is the second coming of Trey Hendrickson, the Bengals standout, which I thought was an interesting comparison and the way he's flourished since he came to Cincinnati. So we'll see. He followed Vance Joseph up to Denver, and they appear to be closer to winning. Don't know if that had as much to do with it as just the sheer money. Obviously, he got paid, and there's a lot of guaranteed money in there as well. $15 million a season, and you go back a year ago, Colin, the big name that was with the Arizona Cardinals, and everyone was surprised, was Christian Kirk getting $18 million. Now, Kirk backed that up with a 1,000-yard season. Zach Allen now needs to back it up. How were or how close was the decision for Zach Allen? We'll have to wait and hear from Zach himself. I'm sure the Cardinals had to have had interest just based on the fact that J.J. Watt retires. Now you got Zach Allen gone. Rashard Lawrence and Lucky Foto are your only two players with any significant playing experience on that D-line that are signed for next season. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a hole. Um, but, you know, to me, uh, look – uh, front offices and, and scouts, they look at a player, and I remember having a conversation with my defensive line coach in Tennessee, and they want to they want to put an arrow based upon where you're at in your career. Your arrow is either going up, your arrow is completely sideways, which means he's kind of reached his ceiling, he might maintain that, or the arrow's going down means you're probably on the back half of your career, um, you've done some good things, but your play is going to steadily decline. Look, Zach Allen has gotten better every single year. Zach Allen has shown that he continues to improve. 
He has shown that he can stay healthy. Now, look, I understand he missed a few games last year, but it was a hand injury. I think the biggest concern was his foot-ankle problems, especially with a guy his size and a defensive tackle. And he's, he's healed from that. He's put that behind him. He didn't have any issues with that last offseason. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, on the inside. He's strong. He's disruptive. He's active with his hands. Seems like he's always making something happen on the inside. And he was a sponge, um, you know, listening and observing J.J. Watt. And he picked up part of his game. He started batting down passes when he couldn't get there on his pass rush and affected games that way. And to me, my favorite part, and, and this is something close to my heart, is, look, Zach Allen did get injured again last year. That shouldn't be a knock on him. If you watch the play he got injured on, he ran all the way to the sideline, made it, made a effort hustle play on a running back, and another he caught friendly fire from a teammate and broke his hand. So um, you love the way he's wired. He's a great locker room guy. You wish him the best. He's not the kind of guy that you know was a problem in your locker room. All he wanted was money. He's leaving. Good riddance. You, you, you know. I'm sure every single player in the Cardinals locker room and every coach and anybody in the front office that was around him wishes him much success in in where he goes and what he does in Denver. Well, on the Pash Pod, owner Michael Bidwell said, and I quote, I had the notes right here, we're interested in re-signing Zach Allen, and I think he wants to be here. That's what he said last month. So there's no doubt there was mutual interest, but then it comes down to the dollars. And when you're getting an average of $15 million per year and you're getting all that guaranteed money, and Vance Joseph obviously values uh, a Zach Allen. See, if Vance Joseph doesn't go to Denver to me, do the Broncos offer that kind of money? Do they feel confident enough without Zach Allen's longtime defensive coordinator in the building vouching for him? So to me, that was the key. And that getting that deal done and and you know what? Maybe and it, and it was hard to maybe foresee that sort of money coming and that sort of guaranteed money coming uh, until Vance Joseph went to an opponent that had a need along the defensive front. So now the Cardinals have a need along that defensive front. The Mentioned the Seahawks earlier in the week signing Draymond Jones, three years, $51 million. Well, they just made a couple of moves earlier today, and they released two defensive linemen, Shelby Harris, who they acquired from the Broncos in the Russell Wilson trade a year ago, and Quentin Jefferson, who had five and a half sacks in 17 games last season. Whether there's interest or not, but just two names to keep an eye on on that defensive line offensive line for the Cardinals. We talked about Kelvin Beecham being back according to reports. We do know DJ Humphreys will be back and prior to the news of Beach's return Humphreys was the only one on that starting line signed for next season. Jonathan Gannon, Cardinals new head coach on his left tackle. I have a very high opinion of DJ. I know Clayton and Chris are ready to work with him. Uh, He's been a really good player for a long time. Uh, had to go against them a couple different times, and he's a, he's a tough matchup for outside edge players in the pass and run game. So, uh, and he's got phenomenal football character. And, uh, you know, he's a guy I've already leaned on since I've been in the job to gain some information and pick his brain a little bit. And uh, he's been great with me. So excited that he's on the Arizona Cardinals. On the Arizona Cardinals, but do we know where along that offensive line? We assume it's going to be left tackle. That's where he has played. But in his absence last season, remember, Humphreys only played eight games a year ago. Josh Jones played left tackle and played it very well 
With Beecham back, though, do you move Jones to right tackle? Is there a competition at right tackle? Or do you try what the Cardinals did a couple of years ago, Kyle, and have Jones play inside at right guard, which he did, or maybe left guard, which he has not done, but he is a natural left tackle and spoke very highly about wanting to be on the left side when he addressed the media in early December. Yeah, look, DJ Humphreys, um, when he's been on the field, I know he missed a, a good chunk of last season. He's been really good, really, really good. I mean, two seasons ago, he was in the Pro Bowl as a left tackle, which says a lot about his play. I don't think you mess with him. He's he. You've got a left tackle, and it's DJ Humphreys. Now, the, the question is what to do with Josh Jones. And I, I think... Uh, you know, conventional wisdom says you've got your two starting tackles. Let's try to move him into guard. But if he doesn't fit at guard, I think you open up the competition at right tackle. Just because we signed Kelvin Beecham um, does not mean he's he's the starting right tackle. And look, Kelvin Beecham was great last year. I, I already threw a lot of flowers at him earlier in this show. But, you know, it, the money, the contract says – not necessarily starting right tackle. It says you're a part of the picture. You may be our swing tackle. You may be our starting tackle. And, you know, from day one when Jonathan Gannon was hired, he said, I want competition at every position. So, you know, while we're talking about holes at the starting positions, we he he's looking for quality players that are going to push for reps, push for starting positions, push for playing time. And, you know, maybe Josh Jones is that guy where – it, you know, day one of the offseason, you say, we see you as a tackle. We see you um, possibly our starting right tackle. Let's go out there and see where this competition goes. Look, in 2021, Josh Jones was forced to play guard, a lot of right guard. Didn't go well. He didn't play a lot of guard in 2022, and that was by design. That was a result of what happened in 2021. But he's so much more comfortable on the left side, to your point, Craig, and he's made that known that we wondered at the end of last season on Big Red Rage and beyond and, and here on the Red Sea Report, hey, um, do you think Josh Jones could be a left guard? Because he had played a lot of right guard. And towards the end of last season, I asked some of the offensive coaches in that area. They were skeptical. They think his future is at tackle. So to Kyle's point, I'm guessing they put him back out of right tackle. Here's the thing. He got beat out for that right tackle spot last season pretty soundly, pretty immediately by Kelvin Beecham. Wasn't much of a contest. Sort of reminds me back in the day when A.Q. Shipley, they'd bring in young centers and A.Q. Shipley, by the time they got to the red and white scrimmage, it was no longer a competition. So we'll see. We'll see what sort of gains Josh Jones makes. But obviously this is a huge offseason and a critical year in his career. Can he get traction in the league as a tackle? His final season under contract for the Arizona Cardinals. And Josh Jones, again, late December, asked about playing left tackle. Quote, I just feel comfortable. I feel like I can be more aggressive over there. It just feels like home over there. End quote. Now, that was talking about tackle. Whether it's left versus right, do you try him at guard on the left side? Or is, to your point, Kyle, do you go? Hey, it's a competition. At right tackle, Josh Jones and Kelvin Beecham, best man win. I, I think that's the case, but I, you know, to me the bigger question is who are we going to get at center? I think we need a veteran presence at center, particularly if we're going to rely on one of our young guards from last year's draft or drafting a young offensive lineman to plug in a rookie center. That's, that's a tall task, so I think you need some veteran presence at the center position. So the Browns went with Ethan Posick, the guy who replaced an injured Nick Harris. Nick Harris healthy, who was the original starter of the Browns last year. 
Perhaps he comes with Drew Petzing. Perhaps we were focused on the wrong Brown center. We connect the dots here. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Robert Downey Jr. It's a fake handoff. Rolling right is Stafford. Looking back to the left, throwing a deep ball. Far side for Deshaun Jackson. And it's picked off inside the 15-yard line. Al Pacino. It's Byron Murphy. He's tackled around the 12. Byron Murphy, the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. We had two picks last week. Gets one here on Stafford in the first quarter. Okay, so now this is Wolf talking. Do it first as Wolf. Oh, Byron Murphy baited Matthew Stafford to throw that ball and then broke on the ball. What an unbelievable play from Byron Murphy. And slowly starting to turn into Jesse the Body Ventura. All right, and then. Uh, <laughs> are you talking to me? All right, and then I have one line after that. Let's do that line as Shaq. Man, Murphy's playing like a pro bowler the first month of the season. It's pretty good. <laughs> The talent, the one and only Frank Caliendo on the Dave Patch Podcast. The question is, though, will he be able to do that, which he does yearly with Dave, and it's good, but will he be able to still impersonate a play call of Byron Murphy? That is the question here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Ever since that performance by Caliendo on the Patch Pod, I, I cannot say the name or hear the name Byron Murphy <laughs> without thinking about Byron! Murphy. I mean, just some sort of iteration. I can't just say it or hear it straight anymore. It's always in one of those voices. Well, to be honest, Kyle, it's the first time I've heard Byron Murphy's name this week in free agency. The legal tampering period began on Monday, and he was one of the big names as far as the Cardinals unrestricted to free agents to be. Yet, I haven't heard any interests, let alone from the Cardinals, but any other team associated or tied to Byron Murphy. No, you're right. It's it's surprising. Um, as Shaq just said, he was a leading MVP candidate after about a month of the season. So, um, I mean, he he, you know, we've seen his upside. We've seen what he can do. We've seen how he looks lined up across from other teams' number one receivers and what it can do for our defense. Um, you know, the question is, uh, do the Cardinals know? Do other teams know more than? I know, you know, or we know about his back injury, about the reason he missed a large chunk of the season, about what it might mean for his future, or is that just nothing? Um, I mean, typically, you know, I said this earlier, but cornerbacks are one of the premier positions and they're so hard to find. And if there is any that are available that are good cornerbacks that can cover and make a difference and shut down number one receivers, they get snatched up pretty quickly and the, and the money flows pretty fast. So, um, you know, it's surprising that we haven't heard anything. Look, it's still early. Um, I'm sure we will hear something. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be, it would be nice to get him back. Um, but, you know, again, the fact that a player hits free agency and then all of a sudden you have a bidding war against 31 other teams, it's going to be difficult to keep up with that. Here's my question. I'm going to put Kyle on the spot. Ready, Gree? Is Byron Murphy, when healthy, a true number one corner in the NFL? Because your new head coach, Jonathan Gannon, comes from an Eagles defense where he had Darius Slay, you had James Bradbury. That's his area of specialty, that defensive backfield, Jonathan Gannon. I wonder when he watched the film, Especially early in the year when hey, Byron Murphy was playing some good ball. There's no doubt about it. But I wonder if he sees a true future number one corner that, let's face it, Team Byron Murphy is seeking that sort of money. 
from what we understand. So maybe that's where the stalemate is, not only with the Cardinals, but the entire market. Well, uh, I'm not going to answer it yes or no. He was becoming one. He had shown flashes of being a true number one, possibly lockdown corner. Wasn't quite there yet, and then the injury happened. So it just, you know, talent evaluators do a fantastic job. They'll look at the film. They will see what things they can improve, what things he's already, you know, he's maxed out. If he's hit a ceiling and he's not there, they they will recognize that. But I, you, you've got to think, I mean, we, we talk about arrows, and again, or I talked about arrows. Again, the season, his arrow was pointing up. It looked like he was phenomenal. It looked like he was the best player on the Cardinals' defense through about four, five, six games last season. So, um, you, you know, you got to think, I don't know that he'll get number one corner money because of the injury and because of the uncertainty, um, but he very possibly could. It was a Friday week eight before the trip to Minnesota when Byron Murphy showed up on the injury report with that back issue played the following week against the Seahawks in week nine but then didn't see the field the rest of the season and to me that's the big unknown and we have seen Byron Murphy within the facility he was at Jonathan Gannon's introductory press conference but that back issue with something Vance Joseph brought up a couple of times during the season when we asked for updates you might feel good and then all of a sudden you suffer a setback and backs you know it's it's not an easy injury to diagnose, yet alone rehab from. And you understand why the other teams in the league, the 31 other teams, would be really hesitant, be really apprehensive about investing long-term in a player who hasn't been in their building. They don't have a full understanding of the back injury. Heck, we don't even know if the Cardinals have a true understanding of the severity of the back injury for that reason. And I think maybe we're seeing the beginning stages of this, is that there's no long-term deal out there for Byron Murphy in the shadow of this sort of injury and then maybe his best option is on a prove it one year deal stay home with the cardinals or even he's going to he will be the number one corner at this point and so he can prove himself and then take that game film to market next year i, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a one-year deal for good money but not the long-term security he's looking for just because that's not a viable alternative for a team out there in lieu of that injury at the moment, Cardinals have Marco Wilson, Christian Matthew, and Nate Harrison, who ended last season on practice squad as far as cornerback position. So certainly don't know much about Byron Murphy's future. The future of DeAndre Hopkins still very much in the air. And we've already heard, we mentioned earlier in the show, Jalen Ramsey traded from the Rams to the Dolphins for a third-round pick. Well, earlier, as we speak, according to reports, the Raiders have shipped tight end Darren Waller to the Giants for a third-round pick. Cardinals certainly, according to reports, Kyle, would like a haul, if you will, for DeAndre Hopkins, but if we're seeing Ramsey traded and Darren Waller traded for a third-round pick, does the if the decision is to move on from number 10, what do you get? Maybe what you're hoped for is not what you end up getting in return from another team. It's a tough situation. Um, look, I, I think they should get a haul for him. Um, you know, I, We've all had front-row seats and saw the amazing things that DeAndre Hopkins can do. We saw the impact he had on the Cardinals in his first game back from suspension. Um, We saw when he's covered, he's not covered. He can make phenomenal catches, has tremendous body control. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, to to me, this this team is in a rebuild. This team, we talked earlier about offensive line, defensive line, how many holes we have to fill. Um, You know, I would take 
you know, draft picks. We need we need other bodies, and and I'm not sure a 30 year old, he, you know, even if we have the best receiver in football, which he may still be, he may be around there. Um, I'm not sure it helps us get that many more wins this year. Um, but you know, filling out the roster, having quality depth at other positions, I think that helps us get wins more than having the best receiver in football. I think working in the Cardinals' favor right now, supply and demand. The Raiders traded Darren Waller. He had another injury plague season. He makes big money. Didn't have as much production as he had in the past. And guess what? This year's draft is loaded at tight end. That's not the case of receiver. And that's not the case in terms of free agency at receiver. It's thin on both counts. So to me, if you're a team who thinks you're a number one wide receiver away, you know, uh, Bills who needed Stefan Diggs, for example, you know, you're that team, you know, the Raiders went after Devontae Adams and obviously what Tyreek Hill did for the Dolphins. If you're that team, if you're the Giants, who's your number one receiver right now? They part a ways with Kenny Galladay. Cleveland has been all over DeAndre Hopkins, reuniting him with Deshaun Watson. Dallas, you heard Jerry Jones' recent comments about they made a mistake not getting enough for Amari Cooper or, or you know fortifying the receiver room, and maybe even DeAndre Hopkins was in Dallas working out trying to speak that into existence. Who knows? Baltimore, Kansas City, Tennessee, these are all teams. I think the Cardinals do have a really good shot at at least at least a second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe I'm being unrealistic over here. We started this offseason thinking maybe a low first-round pick, but I think a second-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins is definitely in play because I think you have enough teams and not enough supply of young receivers and or proven receivers out there. Cardinals parted ways with the 18th overall pick to acquire Hollywood Brown. You're going to tell me that you can't come up with a late-round draft pick, first-round draft pick for DeAndre Hopkins, who even despite the age gap is a better receiver than Hollywood. Hey, how about New England? Just traded away Jacoby Myers to the Raiders, or they lost Jacoby Myers to the Raiders in free agency. Who are the, who's the Patriots' number one receiver? And we know the affection, the affinity between Belichick and DeAndre Hopkins. There's the Bill O'Brien factor now. I don't know how that plays out exactly because he's on the staff in New England, but you can't tell me the Patriots and Coach Belichick aren't thinking strongly about calling the Cardinals Amani Austin Ford about DeAndre Hopkins. D-Hop will be 31 in June, so 31 when the season begins. He is under contract for two more years, but no guaranteed money on those last two years. We'll see what the decision is as we get closer and closer. Of course, the decision will be coming at the end of April. Cardinals on the clock at number three. Do they stay there? That's ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. we've seen in college football in a long time. Quarterback will keep it and gets taken down. Will Anderson Jr. lying in wait. It is intercepted. This is Will Anderson Jr. Touchdown. The two-time winner of the Bronco Nagurski Award given to the nation's top defensive player, Will Anderson out of Alabama, 6'4", 243 pounds. He can be had 
with the third overall pick as we welcome you back to the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. We know quarterbacks, Kyle, are going to go one and two. The Bears parting ways with that first overall pick, trading with the Panthers. Panthers now on the clock at number one, sitting at number two, the Texans. Both those teams need a quarterback. And as a former edge rusher yourself, when you look at Will Anderson, how tempting is it to just stay there, despite teams perhaps calling to move up ahead of the Colts at number three and say, all right, what's it going to take to part with a Will Anderson? Because edge rushers... They don't grow on trees, especially as one as talented as Will Anderson. No, you're right. What he has, you don't have to guess uh, how he's going to look, what he's gonna, how he's going to fit into your defense. Um, he's been highly productive, really at the highest level of college football. Um, he's been consistent. He's, he's disruptive. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's got a good motor. So he's the kind of guy you want. Uh, this is exactly you know the the kind of player that the Arizona Cardinals need. Pass rushing off the edge. Now saying that you know look we sit in a great position at number three. Um, you know depending on where you look, there's there's so many mock drafts out there. Um, you know there could be four quarterbacks taken with the first four picks, and so we could still move back and still possibly get Will Anderson. So. I, you know, there's so many scenarios that could present themselves for the Arizona Cardinals. You know, I'm a big believer right now with where we're at. Um, we need to hit this. Look, we need to draft well, but we need to hit it with quantity. We need to get a lot of bodies in here, create that type of competition. And and really, I mean, there's there's so many holes. You know, we talked about offensive line, defensive line, but there's others on this roster as well that we need some talent on this roster. So um, if we can accumulate draft picks, whether it be – by trading back, you know, and hopefully still getting a Will Anderson, or even trading back and getting, uh, uh, you know, multiple picks, that may be the route that we need to go. Panthers at number one. Yep. Texans at two. Yep. They need quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are going one two in this draft. Colts at number four. They need a quarterback. And I'll even add the Seahawks at number five. Yeah, Geno Smith signed, but it's a two-year deal. It's not some long-term investments. You can make a case that four of the first five teams, Paul, are looking at that quarterback position. Yeah, the Seahawks can get out of that that Geno Smith deal really after one year and most definitely after two. It's not very onerous or punitive for them to get out of that deal. So it's really incentive-laden for Geno Smith. It's very team-friendly. So, But you know what? The best thing I've heard all day, guys, earlier this morning, I think it was Dan Graziano on ESPN said, and I quote, Indy is desperate because they know that quarterbacks are going 1-2. Indianapolis sits at 4. If the Cardinals can somehow parlay that desperation into a deal where, you know what, Indianapolis, attention, Chris Ballard, the GM, you need to come up to number three, to Kyle's point, then you get an extra pick or two, whatever it, whatever it is, you're still sitting there. At number four, you get your guy and extra picks, so you get the quality and the quantity. That is by far, to me, the best-case scenario for the Arizona Cardinals. And it might just come to fruition. With each passing day and each passing move in this market, it looks more and more likely based on if Indianapolis wants to get. Because is Will Levis really a top three, or is Anthony Richardson going to be that guy? The best thing to happen for the Cardinals, I think, was that Anthony Richardson just blew that combine workout 
out of the water. And now there's even speculation that Anthony Richardson might be the number one player drafted overall, believe it or not. After the Seahawks at five, you got the Lions at six. Is Jared Goff the answer in Detroit? The Raiders are sitting at number seven. Yeah, they've got Jimmy Garoppolo, but that's an older quarterback. Do the Raiders, are they in play for a QB? Look, the first seven picks, the Atlanta Falcons at eights. Who knows what they're doing at this point? And then we know the Bears are sitting at number nine. They have Justin Fields. So your first nine picks, Kyler Murray and Justin Fields, those are the only certainties. The Lions, that's a great point. Think about the Lions. What's their future at quarterback? And whereas this offseason started with mock drafts, thinking, oh, the Lions at 18 might take an Anthony Richardson. Maybe they get Will Levis at it. No, neither one of those guys is going to be there at 18. This reminds me of 2019 when Kyler went number one overall and everyone thought the Giants could get Daniel Jones middle of the first round. No, they had to come up to number six to get Daniel Jones. I think it's a similar scenario now. You love the fact that quarterbacks just dominate the headlines, whether it's free agency or the draft. Story of my life, man. <laughs> Quarterbacks always get all the attention, but that's all right. They, they take the majority of the blame, too, when things don't go well, so they can have it. I can see Will Anderson coming in and being tutored by Kyle Van and Bosch. I've got about zero knowledge. <laughs> hey, well, hey, when Cam Thomas walked into this room, he, he stopped and said, Hey, Kyle Van and Bosch. Yeah, there was some immediate reverence for our guy over here. As they say, just... Put it on YouTube. Google Kyle Vandenbosch and you'll see everything that he's able to do. Hey, this has been the Cardinals Red Sea Report. We'll talk to you in one week's time here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown! Cardinals win! This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.